This is episode number 298, What to Do If You're Struggling. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia Looney. I'm a professional athlete and health and mental performance coach, and on this podcast, I bring together the world's experts in things like mindset, psychology, nutrition, inspiring athletes, and more to help you be better every day. I also record a solo episode once a month, and sometimes a little bit more, to hash out a topic that either I am personally dealing with, or just a topic where you can have actionable things to do that I've come across in my research. I also regularly write about performance and well-being in my weekly newsletter that you can get at sonyalooney.com newsletter. I spend a lot of time on articles talking about things like when it's okay to feel restless, how sometimes we make ourselves busy so that we can feel a sense of self-worth. I talk about habit change. I talk about where we go wrong in goal setting, how and why we wish time away sometimes. The topics are endless, but those are a few topics from the last newsletters that I've sent out. If that interests you, go to sonyalooney.com slash newsletter, and I will see you on email. It almost feels strange to be back on the microphone because I did a crazy amount of work in January and February recording episodes so that I could take some time off after I had my baby. And it has been quite challenging to even find the time to plan and record today's episode, which I left open because I thought by now that I would have more of a rhythm in my schedule. And that is proving not to be the case. Many of you with two or more kids are probably smiling and laughing to yourself because it is no joke to go from one kid to two kids, especially when both of your kids are really little. Those small breaks that you used to get during a nap or or just during a window of time don't exist anymore. So it's hard for me to even have time to get to my email and our childcare situation has been a little bit difficult lately. So I'm doing my very best to bring to you the best information and I'm really proud that I am able to get today's episode out on time. Our daughter Brooke is now seven weeks old and our son Bradley turned two the day after she was born. So we have our hands full, but it's been lots of great moments, lots of really sweet moments seeing my son interacting with his little baby sister and seeing my husband with the kids. And he and I, he meaning my husband and I have been acting as a team trying to do the best that we can. But that doesn't mean it comes easy. And I have felt very overwhelmed and stressed a lot of the time. And that is why today's topic is about what to do when you're struggling, because I have had to practice some of these things on a daily basis. I talk about what to do if you're struggling from overwhelm, what to do if you're struggling from confidence or lack of confidence, and also what to do if you're struggling from motivation. It just seemed like a topic that would be really helpful and applicable across many different areas. I also realized that I've interviewed a lot of experts in these areas as well. So if you go to the show notes, I actually write out every single episode that I do that's a solo episode. And some of our episodes with guests are transcribed as well. So if you want to go down the rabbit hole on any of these topics, go to the show notes and you can click to listen to some of those episodes with previous guests that I've mentioned, read articles that I've written, and even view some of the studies that I have quoted. And before I get into the details, if you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit the subscribe or the follow button anywhere that you are listening or enjoy listening to podcasts. And also sharing the show with your friends because that helps other listeners find it as well. We also really appreciate the reviews that you've been leaving. And that also is nice to see after all the hard work that I put into the show, just to see that you're enjoying what you're listening to. 
And thank you to those of you who are financially contributing to the show on Patreon and PayPal. You can find those links at sanyalooney.com slash podcasts as that goes to fund my team. And now my team is Rebecca, my assistant, and Roma, who is the amazing audio engineer who has been with this podcast since episode one. They make sure the podcast goes out on time and that it sounds great. Okay, so what to do if you're struggling? Put your hand up in the air if you've ever felt this way. 100% of people should be putting their hand in the air if you're a human being. Sometimes life can feel hard and overwhelming. And as I mentioned, it is definitely in that realm for me right now. And big life changes often cause discomfort and stress, but out of it comes growth. Growth is something that most of us want, but normally it doesn't really feel very good at the time. I was listening to a podcast with Scott Barry Kaufman and his book, Transcend, which is a great book that I highly recommend. And he was asking about how growth feels to someone. And they said, yeah, growth doesn't actually feel good a lot of time. With growth can come a period of struggling. And sometimes that feeling of struggling can feel like it can last forever or that feeling of struggling can feel all encompassing. That said, there is a time and a place where you need to get professional help if you're suffering from depression or other mental health disorders. So this podcast is not a substitution for any of those conditions, but just for sort of the general person who is struggling and wants to try some things to help alleviate that suffering. Personally, I'm struggling right now. If you follow my Instagram, which is at Sonia Looney, you might have seen some of my posts about how my training isn't going the way that I want. My energy isn't where I want it to be. And that's been really hard to accept. Having a newborn baby who is my second child, along with my son who just turned two, as I mentioned, all while trying to meet the demands of being a professional athlete, having sponsors, running my business, maintaining this weekly podcast and maintaining a high standard for the podcast, sending out articles I write in my weekly newsletter, and having very limited childcare help has been far more stressful and overwhelming than I anticipated. It was difficult with our first child, but just having two has made it even harder. And again, I, I mentioned that those of you who have two or more kids are probably laughing right now, probably just laughing because you can relate. Now, in my line of work, I don't get to take a maternity leave. Some of my work is work that needs to be done consistently and that I've made a commitment to do. If I take long periods of time off of training, well, it's going to take a long time to catch back up there. For the podcast, this is a weekly show, so I don't miss episodes. It's a commitment I've made, and for almost five years, I have an episode come out every single week. And as I mentioned before, I recorded three months of guests in advance before having my daughter so that I could leave and walk away from that just for a little bit. And when you're a creator, you don't get the luxury to just step away from your work without penalties. Adding in sleep deprivation, hormonal changes, and trying to rehab and recover from birth adds to the layer of difficulty because it's harder to cope from a shakier foundation. Understanding some of the keystones in your foundation can help whenever life gets really difficult. For me, sleep is normally one of those things. So even though I can't control my sleep right now, I go to bed at 8.30 because I want to set myself up for the best possible night or the best possible chance to get as much sleep as I can. And that comes at a trade-off. That comes with not getting to spend time with friends or my husband and not really even getting downtime. I just put the kids to bed, get stuff done, and then I just go to bed myself. But I know that sleep is something that I need in my foundation, as is healthy eating and exercise. So knowing what is important in your foundation, well, that can help a lot whenever you're struggling. So my daughter is seven weeks old this week, and some days are easier than others. And I've had a lot of trial by fire experience of what to do when you're struggling, especially from overwhelm. 
That said, you don't have to have the same demands on your time. You don't have to be a woman or any of the inputs that I just mentioned to know what it feels like to struggle. We all know what it feels like just because to struggle is to be human. We have a prefrontal cortex in our brain that is responsible for cognitive control functions like reasoning, perseverance, impulse control, our attention, and so much more. And it can be really difficult whenever we feel stressed and overwhelmed because that prefrontal cortex can go offline and we can just feel totally overwhelmed. So here I'll share some techniques that help me when I'm struggling with things like overwhelm, confidence, or motivation, and hopefully some actionable steps so that you can try to add these in whenever you're struggling too. And if there's something that I didn't mention that you practice in your daily life or anytime, I'd love to hear what it is so that I can share it with my audience as well, because these are things that I've seen in the research and in my personal experience, but I certainly don't know everything. So I'd love to hear from you. So what to do if you're struggling with overwhelm? Overwhelm is a common feeling that comes up when we feel like our to-do list is insurmountable. If you tune in, you can often feel it in your body. So for me, it feels like something is sitting on my chest and it's hard to breathe when I feel overwhelmed. It can also feel like your shoulders are scrunched up in your ears. And some people even have health problems. They get irritable bowel syndrome and that can be more related to anxiety. But We often feel overwhelmed when we are overcommitted, when we feel like we aren't in control of tasks being added to our plate or when we're lacking in autonomy. We feel overwhelmed when we feel rushed. And one thing that might be a little bit surprising is we feel overwhelmed when we aren't focusing on one singular task. So yes, trying to multitask or rather rapidly switching between single tasking because multitasking doesn't actually exist, add to our overwhelm. The element of concentration, also that can be termed as engagement as an element of Martin Seligman's theory of authentic happiness, which I wrote an article about. Concentration can really help us feel a lot better whenever we are overwhelmed, but we can't attain flow when we're trying to do everything. So trying to focus on the task at hand can help us be more focused on single tasking and can reduce overwhelm. If you've ever noticed that if you're focused on just one thing, or even if you attain that flow state that all of us really want to attain, you notice that your thoughts melt away. You might not have any thoughts at all and you are just super concentrated. I'm sure you can think of many instances where you are trying to do way too many things at once, when you have no downtime, when you're feeling out of control with your time and it's hard to breathe. I've been feeling this way a lot lately and while it might not be possible to quote fix overwhelm in the moment, here are a few actions that might help keep it in check. Number one, periodically taking a few breaths in through the nose and sighing it out through the mouth, making sure that your exhale is longer than your inhale. This downregulates the nervous system, and I encourage you to just do it right now. Let's do two together. So taking a breath in through the nose and letting it go out the mouth. Noticing how your body feels whenever you sigh, just feeling everything dropping, feeling that relaxation feeling, and doing that a few more times. So I'll give you five seconds to do it. Okay, I'm back. (laughs) Next, if possible, what can you do to do more deliberate single tasking? You could close tabs on your browser. I know when I have tons of tabs open, I get distracted and I start switching between tasks and then you actually lose efficiency when you do that. Can you put your phone in the garage or put your phone somewhere to minimize distractions there? Or even just notice when you get distracted and sometimes we'll, we'll get distracted, leave one task halfway done, jump to the other, and then try to come back halfway through. I notice this happens when I'm in the kitchen with my kids. I'm trying to 
you know, do the, un- unload the dishes or clean something up. And I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And that never feels good. I'll actually be recording a podcast and writing an article on how to focus how, and how to manage distractions, probably for the June solo episode. Another thing you can do is getting out in nature or even looking out a window. Ethan Cross, PhD, says that spending time in green spaces helps replenish the brain's limited attentional reserves. He was a previous podcast guest about his book, Chatter, which is all about self-talk. And many studies confirm this, and he's actually done a study himself on this, about being outside and how even looking at a picture of green space can reduce rumination. And speaking of rumination, rumination and worrying can cause overwhelm. When you start asking, what about this or what about that, or you go down the rabbit hole thinking of all the things that you should be doing and that spools you up, it can make you feel completely overwhelmed. I actually wrote an article on how to reduce rumination, and it uses a simple noting practice for meditation, and you can check that out in the show notes. We also tend to feel like we are doing something productive when we're worrying, and this was something that I learned when I interviewed Dr. Judd Brewer about unwinding anxiety, which is also the appropriate title of his book. In his book, Dr. Judd says, even if you aren't solving any problems, just spinning out of control by worrying more, that feeling of doing something can be rewarding in itself. Worrying is doing something after all. So we think that if we're doing something by worrying that we're actually solving a problem, but we're actually not doing that. We're just getting stuck in a loop. Dr. Judd talks about how to break the habit loop of worrying in our podcast and also in his book. So make sure you check that out. Another thing that you can do when you're overwhelmed is really simple, but hard to do. Ask for help. Whether it's asking your spouse, a family member, or a friend to take one thing off your plate, or if you are financially able, paying someone to do something like clean your house or walk your dog, that can really help. Many of us feel guilty for getting help, or we have Superman or Superwoman imposter syndrome where we feel like we should be doing it all. And I can attest to feeling guilty when I ask for help, and I'm trying really hard to get better at that because there's no way for me to move forward unless I get more help and I ask for help more often. I know that men suffer from this, but really a lot of women suffer from this a lot more of asking for help, especially around the house and with kids, because we feel like we should be able to do everything. But the fact is we can't do everything. Another thing you can do if you're feeling overwhelmed is think big picture. Sometimes thinking big picture can help you get out of the weeds and realize that what you're experiencing will not last forever. Like for me, this is not the case. It's not going to last forever that I'm, I'm not going to have two small children forever that need me all the time. And eventually they'll need me a little bit less and they'll give me more space. Even adding some self-distancing can reduce the intensity of the feeling. And there's two more things you can do to work with yourself if you're struggling with overwhelm. And this one might have some resistance whenever I mention it. Change your expectations. And this might be a surprise because Maybe your expectations are not in alignment with the time or energy that you have to commit to a goal or activity. I'll give you an example. My training, I thought that I would be able to execute a certain training plan right now, and I'm just not able to do it. And it's really hard to accept that. But once I accepted it and I changed my expectations, it made me a lot happier because having these expectations that were way too high was making me miserable because I kept coming up short every single day. So you might need to temporarily reduce your goals, your time frame, or even just put them on hold if there are too many balls in the air. In fact, when there are too many balls in the air, you'll likely just do everything mediocre or poorly, and that's really discouraging. You have to start where you are, and that can be really hard to accept, as I mentioned. One more thing you can do if you are struggling with overwhelm is practice self-compassion. I've had Dr. Kristen Neff on the show a couple times, who is a pioneer in the field of research for self-compassion. But beating yourself up while you are overwhelmed is not productive or helpful. And 
If you have difficulty coming up with something, create some distance from yourself and ask, what would you say to a friend in a similar situation? And say it to yourself. Personally, I just tell myself, you are doing your best. Or I tell myself, it's okay. And that's been really helpful for me. In fact, sometimes I tell my son Bradley, mom is doing her best. And then he walks around saying, mom is doing her best. (laughs) So finding something that resonates with you and trying that and saying that to yourself instead of tearing yourself down next time you feel overwhelmed can help with those feelings and help you move forward. Topic two, what to do if you're struggling with confidence. And this is a big one for many people, uh, something that's addressed quite frequently in my coaching practice. Confidence and self-esteem can waver because they are built upon past experiences. And Chris Neff, who I've already mentioned once, says that self-esteem is a judgment or an evaluation of worthiness. In other words, I may be worthy and I may not be worthy. And typically that judgment is based on things like, do other people like me? Do I look the way I want to look? Am I successful at all the things that I care about? And if we aren't, then our self-esteem takes a hit. So our self-esteem can be unstable. That was such a good point that she made. And she says that the foundation needs to be coming from self-compassion, not self-esteem. And on a similar thread, self-confidence. Self-confidence is more broad, and it's about a person's belief in their ability on a wider range of strengths. Whereas self-efficacy is more in line with a personal judgment of how capable you are to take on a certain task or course of action. So there is a nuanced difference between the two, but mood also affects self-efficacy. And there are many studies confirming this across different populations. And I found that really interesting that if you are feeling positive, you have a stronger sense of self-efficacy. And I guess that does make sense. So working on your mood can help with your confidence and self-efficacy. So here are a few actions you can take if you've lost your sense of confidence or self-efficacy. Number one, start tracking small wins. And this was the topic of last month's solo episode that I've linked up in the podcast. It's all about why and how we should track small wins because those are the data points. Those are the roadmap to the bigger wins and to the bigger peaks that we often reference. But really, confidence and efficacy come from those things that you do every single day because that forms your identity. Another thing you can do to boost your self-confidence and self-efficacy is to follow through on your commitments. And this is really hard. For some of us, it's really easy to follow through on the things that we say to other people, but we can't keep promises to ourselves. And when you say that you'll do something and you actually do it, you build trust in yourself. And when you don't do it, you lose trust in yourself. This is why we set small action steps in my coaching practice with my clients, because a lot of times we set goals that are way too big and they seem way too overwhelming. And then we give up along the way because it just seems too hard and too unattainable. So setting smaller goals so that you can follow through and build trust in yourself, that helps build confidence. That also ties into starting where you are and setting appropriate expectations for yourself. A quick example that just came up a second ago is there is a local race in Squamish tonight that I really wanted to do. In fact, it starts just down the street from my house. And I have been thinking that I'm going to go do it and putting a lot of pressure, like positive pressure, but pressure like I should be doing this. But that's not starting where I am. Starting where I am would be making sure that I feel good for an entire week on my bike before I go jump in a race, even if it's a short one. But the pressure and the excitement to go do the race, and again, pressure doesn't have to be a negative thing. This is positive pressure to go do this race because it's right there and it'd be fun. I want to go do it. But on the other hand, I know that that isn't a proper expectation. And that's probably going to crater me for a week or two because I haven't done the appropriate training to line up for this race. And I'm kind of digressing here a little bit, but sometimes people won't start a race because they feel like they have to be at their peak, peak fitness before they can even register. But if you're riding 
like for me, if I'm riding consistently and consistently feeling decent, that would be a time to say, okay, it's reasonable to sign up for this race. But it's not reasonable for me to sign up for a race if just one week ago I felt awful on my bike and I've put together only a couple of days where I felt okay. So starting where you are is really important. Setting appropriate expectations is really important, even if it's hard to do. And sometimes you need to, again, self-distance or even get a third-party perspective to do that. So I digress a little bit following through on your commitments and setting appropriate goals. If you've lost almost all your confidence or self-efficacy, start as granular as possible. Set something really, really small and go from there. You can rebuild the fabric of your confidence thread by thread. Next is talk to someone you trust. I just mentioned uh, engaging with a third party to help you make decisions. That could be a coach, that could be a friend, that could be a therapist. But we often have a negativity bias, especially with how we view ourselves. So engaging in a conversation about an area that you're lacking in confidence with someone who can provide a more objective view might make you realize that, hey, I actually do have the skills to do this. Or maybe it'll do the opposite. Hey, maybe I don't have the skills to do this yet, growth mindset. And what do I need to do in order to put myself on the path? What is one small thing that I can do to start moving in that direction and start building from there? And last is look for past positive experiences. Self-efficacy is built on a foundation of things that went well. So again, start recording those daily wins. And even if things didn't go well, maybe even start recording where you were more resilient and where you bounce back so that you know that if you fall down, you can get back up. Because having that resilience, having that base will give you the confidence to try again. Also viewing as challenges as an opportunity for growth, that can be a powerful place to start building confidence from as well. 